0: When God said to his chosen people, you shall be holy for I am holy, he was telling them that what he really wanted was that they would become like him, that they would share his character and his nature. God is calling you
1: to a walk. He's not calling you to a position. He's calling you from darkness into light. He saved you from your sins and that condemnation in order to make
0: you like himself. Me, a fallen human being, be like God? What does that really look like? And what part do I play in that process? In today's episode, Dr. John Oswalt is with us again for the second part of our discussion about holiness.
1: Holiness involves a moment and a lifetime. If you try to do the lifetime without the moment, you're gonna be frustrated. Mm-hmm. I gotta do better, I got I don't wanna do better. I want my way. On the other hand, if you say, wow, God <laughs> in a moment has changed me and I got no more problems. <laughs> oh dear,
0: you got a lot of problems and the first one is right there. <laughs> it's gotta be both. That's what's coming up on Purity for Life. Here we go. All right, thanks for joining us again on Purity for Life. And again, this is part two of a discussion that I had with Dr. Oswalt on the subject of holiness. And so if you haven't listened already to part one, I would definitely recommend that you hit pause on this and listen to that first. But either way, let's go. I'm very aware that there are two, i do not not only two types of people, but in general, people tend to fall on two different sides when it comes to holiness. You've got the people who are just trying to do it in their own strength, mm. and then the people who are like, whatever, I can do whatever I want because I'm saved. <laughs> so if you're speaking <laughs> to those people in the counseling office or the pastoral office, if you've got the legalist there with you, What do you talk to them about when it comes to holiness?
1: I want to say to them, holiness is a gift from God, and you cannot earn it. You cannot produce it. If you try to do that, you are going to condemn yourself to a life of frustration. Mm. You're going to constantly—it's going to be like a carrot on a stick in front of a donkey, and the donkey is constantly thinking, I'm going to get it this time, I'm going to— no, it will not work. It will not work. It is a gift that he produces as you cooperate. It's, it's, we're not talking passivity here, where you sit on your hands and say, okay, God, go to it. But it's God's work. And you recognize an area, oh, my goodness, I can't deal with this. I can't produce love Again, this was an experience of mine. I I was in a situation where I was not loving a person. I was frustrated with them. I was critical of them. And I really came to the Lord and said, Lord, if I'm ever to love that person, you've got to do it. And he did. It was a matter of—and what he said was, okay, pray for him. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> mm. No, I don't want to pray for them. <laughs> I wanted to criticize them. But as I began to pray for them, I began to discover, oh my, yes, yes, I do, I do indeed love him in a way that I would not have imagined was possible.
0: Mm.
1: And so that's when I want to say to that person. Christ has to produce holiness in you. If not you will think you are holy and you will become arrogant. Well, look what I've done. That won't work. To the other person, I want to say, First John, how in the world can you live in the dark and say you're in the light? This is God's character. This is God's nature. You're living this way? No. God is calling you to a walk. He's not calling you to a position. He's calling you from darkness into light. Are you in fact moving out of the darkness and into the light? You can't have a little blob of darkness here in a light room. (laughs) You're the light or you're dark. And that's what I wanna say, that Mm. he is calling you, he saved you from your sins and that condemnation in order to make you like himself. Is he doing that or not? And mm. uh, You know, this is... I work very hard with students to say, you gotta read Romans 6, 7, and 8 together. You cannot use Romans 7 to cancel out Romans 6. <laughs> 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 yeah. Paul's, I mean, read Romans 6. You can't keep sinning. You cannot be a slave to sin. Romans 7, I'm a slave to sin. He's talking from his Jewish experience of trying to live the sinless life in his own strength. So we come to the end of Romans 7. Paul, you say, I got to quit sinning. Now you say, I can't quit sinning. What am I supposed to do? Paul says, read Romans 8 for Pete's sake. (laughs) (laughs) It says, I unleash my spirit in you that Romans 6 is going to become a possibility. And uh, so that's what I want to say to that person. Yeah, and I want to say, it's. I've said to students for years, the middle of the road on anything is about as wide as a razor blade's edge, and the ditches on either side are really deep. Well, there's a middle road there where, yes, I am going to manifest the character of Jesus Christ. How am I going to do that? By his power. mm by His work in me, mm-hmm.
0: yeah, and so you know, I have an interesting. Uh, I everybody has a very unique testimony, of course. I remember when I came into the program, I had basically been totally okay with living in sin. I I didn't have an issue with it at all. <laughs> um, Yipes. Yeah, I mean, there was there were definitely consequences, but as far as my my relationship with God, there was no issues. Wow. Um, so then I come into the program and I find—I really see Jesus in a real way, and I realize I am in serious trouble. <laughs> this is not good because <laughs> I am nothing like him. Yes, yes. And if you can't have a relationship with someone that you're not like— Precisely, precisely. Yeah, So, you know, then I went through this probably four-month-long period of trying to change myself. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, Yeah. And it was worse and worse and worse. (laughs) I mean, it was like you can't do anything. Exactly. Exactly. Finally, I I saw the cross Mm. for real Mm. Mm. and Mm. just very simply said, okay, I believe you. And then his life was just implanted in me.
1: Yes, yes, yes.
0: Okay, but then I went through a, a very perplexing time after that, where he started uncovering things about me. Yeah, that I did not know were there. Exactly, exactly. And I thought, oh, then there's no way I'm a Christian. Yeah, exactly. Yes, precisely. So, uh, yeah. How do you counsel again? Like it's it is the same, th- right? It, it, on the either side of these. Clear truths or just these ditches, you know, but you've worked with a lot of people. How do you help them to understand that God has called you holy? And even when he reveals the most unholy thing about you, in his sight, you're still accepted. (laughs) You're his. You're You're his. his. Yes,
1: yes. And this is where, again, relationship language. I am... I am secure in Karen's love. I know she loves me, and I know she's going to love me. Part of the reason, though, is she took very seriously those marriage vows. We entered a relationship, and in spite of my inadequacies and my failures, she said, you're my husband. Now, there's a sense in which Jesus does the very same thing. When we... Accept him by faith. He says, you're mine. You're mine. Hmm. And as long as you want to be mine, you're going to be mine. I often think that we, on the Wesleyan-Arminian side, we get upset with people who preach eternal security, but I think sometimes we preach eternal insecurity. (laughs) Well, I'm a Christian as long as I really do everything right. No, 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 no. You're a Christian as long as in faith you want to be his and you want to share his character.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And it's, that, that's what I want to say to them. You, can, you live in his love and you intend to stay in his love. No, no, you're not using him as an excuse to get away with something. And you are truly mourning over those things he's showing. I think in some ways that's what the beatitude means, blessed are those who mourn. Mm. Uh, So it's his power that holds you. Mm. But you've got to want to. And that's where I would say, can you ever lose your salvation? I believe, yes, you can, if you say, let me out. The only way Karen's... And my marriage, would ever break, would be if, God forbid, I said, let me out. She would not stop loving me, but I know she would let me go. And that's, that's with Jesus. He's not going to stop loving us. He loves the devil. Mm. But do I want to stay in his grip? Mm. Yes, I do. And then he says, "I gotcha. Mm-hmm. <laughs> You're not getting out of here."
0: <laughs> so, I think maybe now I totally come from the side of the legalist, so probably all my questions are like along those lines. <laughs> but um, so I'll try to fit myself into the mindset <laughs> of a of a licentious person to get some questions in there. But I did have another question just about yes. about holiness, because I think that. When you read the Bible, you you hear these statements from Jesus, or you hear these statements from the apostles, that make it sound like holiness is like this place that you get to mm. l- where you never sin. Mm. There's no mm. bad mm. motives. There's, mm. um, I mean, even when Jesus says you must be perfect, yep, as your heavenly Father is perfect, and yep. it's like, <laughs> <laughs> how? <laughs> How's that? Yes. Yes. What is he yes. what's he talking about? Yeah. In that
1: passage in particular, in Matthew 5, verse 48, you gotta look at the context. And in the context, he is saying, So, so you love people who love you. Big deal. So do tax collectors. So you love people who return your love. Big deal. So do sinners. But your love is has got to be like God's love. And God sends his rain on the just and the unjust. What's he saying? He's saying God's love is complete in itself. And now we don't have video here, so people can't see what I'm doing, but I'm, I'm making a circle with my index fingers and my thumbs. That is a perfect circle. You say, no, 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 it's not. The arcs are not exactly the same all the way around. No, it's perfect. It's complete. It's whole. Mm. God's love is perfect. Now, his love is perfect. (laughs) It's flawless. But he is saying, you can share my kind of love through the Holy Spirit, a love that's complete in itself. It doesn't need somebody else's love to start, and it doesn't need somebody else's love to keep going. Hmm. And you, in that sense, need to be perfect like God is. Wow. Is that really possible? Yes, it is. Yes, it is. We can love people who don't love us. And this is... and. As we were talking before, I've spent a good portion of my professional life in Bible translation. Uh, Jesus means complete when he says uses the word perfect, whole. And God's love is like that. But love, we tend to think because of Madison Avenue in Hollywood— <laughs> is, as the little boy said, an unconquerable feeling of all overishness. Uh, <laughs> that it's some feeling that is just, it comes and it goes and you can't do a thing about it. That's not love in the biblical sense. In the biblical sense, love is to choose the best for another at whatever cost to yourself. Hmm. You can't command your emotions. You can't command your feelings. There are people that we're attracted to. There are people that we are not attracted to. That has nothing to do with love. Love is for every person that you and I meet to choose their best. Mm. And that's what God does. And that's where we are called to be perfect. Not... Flawless. I may choose the best for you and do something for you that you don't particularly like, but my motive was perfect. It was complete in and of itself. It was choosing what I thought was the best for you. And that's where we get into trouble with with this word perfect, because especially in English today, Perfect means flawless, and none of us is flawless. (laughs) Right. And that's where translation becomes necessary. Can my love for people be complete in itself? Perfect. Yes. Yes. By God's grace, not by my power, but yes, that's what it can be. And this is where... In so many ways, I, I marvel that as many marriages make it as do make it <laughs> because you've got two people who are each demanding of the other, give me, give me, give me. That's not going to work. you got to have two people who are giving. <laughs> and the funny thing is, when both are giving 100%, both are receiving 100%. <laughs> mm. So it's in that sense that what we're talking about is not perfect performance. We're talking about a total motivation. I'm totally motivated by God's love, and I'm totally committed to doing what he wants. Mm. Perfect in that sense, yes. Mm.
0: Yeah, so that's where that crucifixion of the will, mm-hmm. where that change mm-hmm. takes place, mm-hmm. doesn't mean that you do everything right, because no, no. you've got a long process ahead well, exactly,
1: of you. Exactly, exactly. And this is, this is where I want to say that holiness involves a moment and a lifetime. If you try to do the lifetime without the moment, you're going to be frustrated. Mm. I got to do better. I gotta, I don't want to do better. I want my way. On the other hand, if you say, wow, God <laughs> in a moment has changed me and I got no more problems. <laughs> oh, dear. You got a lot of problems. And the first one is right there. Uh-huh. It's got to be both. Where I come to that place of saying, I have fought the battle, and praise God I have lost, (laughs) (laughs) and he has won. (laughs) Mm. Now then, and I've, I've, again, in one sense, going back to my imagery of the swamp, in one sense, the moment when I allowed Jesus to become king of my life was opening the gates to myself. Hmm. and allowing him to come in. Before that, he was outside. And I was saying, yeah, you can have my work, you can have my devotions, you can have my money,
0: but you can't have me. How did you come to the realization that that's what was going on? Through a godly pastor. I heard him preaching about the Christian life,
1: And uh, this was at Taylor University, and I'm very grateful. At the beginning of every semester, they had a week of meetings, special meetings, when they would bring in a speaker. And uh, I took a girl on a date one night to one of the, the meetings, and I remember taking her back to the dorm afterwards and saying, boy, when I listen to that guy, I'm not even sure I'm a Christian. And so I went to talk to him, you know, about, you know, why is my Christian life so frustrating? And he said, John, your problem is you are on the throne of your life and Jesus is around the edges. Mm. You're not going to be happy until he is on the throne and you are on the edges. You want to do that? I said, yeah, yeah, I think I do. Well, when I was about 13, I had felt called into the ministry. Well, that was okay when I was 13. When I was 16, it was not okay. (laughs) Mm. And when I said, yeah, I'd I'd like him to be on the throne of my life, he and I were sitting on chairs facing one another, sort of knee to knee, and he came right out on the edge of his chair and had his face about six inches from mine and said, John— what is there you won't do?
0: Hmm.
1: I blurted it out. I said, I won't be a preacher. He said, well, I guess that's the end of our conversation then, isn't it? I said, no, I I want him to be on the throne. John, how can he be on the throne of your life if there's something you know he wants you to do and you won't do it? (laughs) I said, okay, (laughs) okay, I'll do it. Hmm. And I've said that that's been... Apart from accepting Jesus, the best decision I ever made.
0: So, was there a was there a noticeable difference after that conversation?
1: There was, there was, um, not a dramatic one. You know, there were there were no tongues of fire. There, were, there was no rushing wind. I didn't have a big surge of emotion. But I I remember I went to the dining room afterwards. And I was sitting there at a table, and I was thinking, I don't feel any different, but things are going to be different. And they were. They were. Uh, A new joy in devotions, a new, um, how shall I say it, energy in witnessing, a new victory in terms of um, daily desires. Hmm. I was a different man.
0: Wow, that's amazing. So for you, you have no issues saying that, yeah, we can be holy. You're right. I don't.
1: (laughs) And for me, uh, again, this is good news. This is not bad news. Okay, you got to be holy. (laughs) (laughs) No, it's good news. You can be holy. You can share the character of God. Wow. You can love when you're not loved back. You can be faithful when you're surrounded by liars. You can be genuinely good when everybody around you is nasty. Wow! (laughs) What's not to like about that?
0: Hmm. Yeah, because what he's really just offering us is something that displaces all the misery everything that causes misery and strife and confusion and chaos yes yes yes
1: Yes. and and i want to i want to say to people i try to say it every way i can we're not talking about something strange or arcane here we're just talking about becoming like jesus yeah and you know what what do the demons say we know who you are you're the holy one Jesus mm. says, shut up. I don't want to hear it from you. <laughs> <laughs> mm. uh, so, so that that's, do you want to be like Jesus? You can be. You can be.
0: So that's where it becomes really practical, yes. I think, right? Is yes. that, like, if you know there are things in your life yes. that are not like him, yes. there needs to be a... An interaction with him. Exactly, exactly. Jesus, where is this coming from?
1: And how do we address it? I don't like to be reacting like that. I don't like to be reacting with impatience. Help me to understand where that's coming from, and help me to surrender it to you.
0: Hmm.
1: Help me... You know, I I think of um, Charles Wesley's hymn, I want a principle within of watchful godly fear, a sensibility to sin, a pain to feel it near. Help me, the first approach to feel of sin or wrong desire. Yeah, yeah. Oh, oh my goodness. (laughs) Oh my goodness. No, I don't want to act like that. Thank you. Mm. And I, I've I've always loved um, Isaiah's words, you will hear a voice behind you saying, this is the way, walk in it. He doesn't want to yell at us. <laughs> mm. He wants to just be able to whisper, say, hey, do you really want to do that? No, I really don't. Mm. Good, I
0: didn't want you to. <laughs>
1: Let's deal with it.
0: What about people who uh, don't necessarily – like, obviously, all of us can say, I'm not perfect. Yep. But there's nothing really obvious that, like, I'm withholding from the Lord or – but there's just something missing, you know, in my life. How do you talk to people like that?
1: My experience, which is by no means universal – my experience, though, is there is something that is preventing them from experiencing the fullness of the Spirit. There's something they're hanging on to, a resentment, something. Mm-hmm. And that's my, my counsel to them is, let the Lord show you what that is and give it to Him. Mm. That again and again, again and again, there's... There's a, a thing, an attitude, a possession, a desire, something or other that they are not willing to give up. And, that, you know, again, that's part of my own experience. That's the, the pastor, Dr. Kinlaw, leaning toward me and saying, what is there you won't give up? Wow. Mm. And he was right. There was that thing that was standing in the way. And until that was dealt with, I was going nowhere. And so that's that's what I would say to people, that, look—now, again, you know, we're all different, as you said at the outset, and uh, I don't want to simply jam a template on people,
0: but that's the place to start. Just, Lord, show me. Yeah. Yeah, and I think that's—I mean, that's definitely the first step of giving him full access, exactly. right? Because exactly. Exactly. Like, you can show me whatever. Yep. Yep. And I'll let you have it. Mm. Yes. So, after I finished recording this episode with Dr. John, I told him how much I appreciated him coming in and talking about this subject because, from my perspective, he made holiness really attractive, and he also made it attainable. And I hope that you heard that really clearly that becoming holy is not going to happen if we just grit our teeth and really try to be holy in our own strength. And those of us who have tried that can tell you how miserable that is. No, becoming holy is about giving God total access to my heart, and allowing him to put his finger on anything he wants to, and then yielding to him in submission. So, it's that moment of surrender, like he talked about, and then it's that lifetime of walking with him, where he shows me something, and I cooperate with him until I become like Jesus in that area, and then he shows me something else, and I cooperate with him until I become like Jesus in that area. And anyway, I'm not trying to repeat everything he already said. I just, I hope that this discussion has been a real blessing to you and a real help as you seek to obey God's call to be holy. And if you're interested in learning more about holiness from Dr. John, he has written a book about this. Its title is Called to be Holy. It's available on Amazon. Again, that's Called to be Holy by Dr. John Oswalt. purelifeministries.org